0: Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Berger. I'm so grateful you found the leadership lowdown and so grateful that I had the honor and privilege to meet somebody a few years ago and I have done nothing but just absolutely been amazed at him as a local leader and somebody that I just wanted to introduce to our audience. And so with me today in studio is Fred Ford. Fred, welcome to our humble show. Thank you, Vic. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. And I don't know exactly what kind of title to plug on to you because you've done so many cool things. and We're going to talk about them all. But one of the things that uh, you're retired out of General Motors and you were an executive, a manager for uh, logistics at, I think, the Delta plant, which is a massive operation
1: south of Lansing here. Yes, that's correct. Right at the beginning from the planning stage. And how many years were you there? I was there as far as the planning stage, probably when we started opening up. And I retired out of there in 2009. Okay, very good. So I would say about, say, six years. Well, retirement looks good on you, by the way. Oh, thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we don't do a TV show because of the way I look, but we <laughs> could with the way you look. So, <laughs> But I have to tell you, when we talk about how long you were with General Motors, how many years does that go back? 32
1: years. Wow. That's a lifetime. That's incredible. Yes. Came yeah. in as a snotty old kid out of high school. Yeah. And- Work my way up through. You walked out running the place. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> no parts. The plant won't run. It won't. <laughs> It'll
0: run. You can turn the lights on, but nobody's doing it? <laughs> that's <is> it? right. <laughs> I love it. Well, as we know from the chip shortage we got right now, so that's some of the challenges. That would have been one of my big headaches. Oh, I'm telling you. That would have put some gray hair on your head right there, I'm sure. Whatever hair I have on yeah. my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fred, you know, before that, you know, just the other day you and I were talking your origins, if you will, and you weren't always a person from Michigan. You started out a little south of here. Yes, I
1: started off. I was born in Huntsville, Alabama. That's Rocket Man, right? That's Rocket City, USA. (laughs) Right, very good. Rocket City, Redstone Arsenal, home of Alabama (laughs) A&M. Very good. And you know what? Just the other day, I was looking at you.
0: I said, Fred, what's going on? You got this Alabama A&M t-shirt on, and you had the ball
1: cap on. You were committed right there. So I knew there must be a story. Yeah, it's a story behind it all. When my dad came up north back in 1952, to come to the fires to plant, you know, the flight from the kind south, of the migration, migration of people, migration, yeah. yeah. Well, my dad came up and we left us down there, and I was born in 1953, mm-hmm. and so I was born down there and raised. But we stayed with my grandmother. We were like sharecroppers, yeah. And so once we did that, and my dad came up and got a stable, and he brought me and my brother up, and my mom, and we stayed up, and that's where we've been since. Wow, well, you know, I'm sure. You've taken a moment in your lifetime to think,
0: what if I would have stayed as a sharecropper down in Alabama? I mean, life looks differently, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> but even though it was a sharecropping and my uh, grandmother and grandfather on both sides, my grandmother, they really pushed education. Yeah. And my mother, she was very good in school. When she was getting ready to go to college, they didn't have any money to go. So my grandmother was like the help oh, working yeah. for somebody, a big kind lawyer and everything in the family. And she raised their kids, the family kids and everything. So what happened, they went to my grandmother's employer and was telling that. And so they felt so much in love with my grandmother and my mother because she played with the kids when they had time that they paid for her college and told her to go to Alabama A&M and they paid for her college. (sighs) How about
0: that? that yeah. And I got to tell you, you know, college wasn't always as expensive as it is then, but it's all relative, right? Right. I mean, if you think about it, not having a lot of money then, is just like not having a lot of money now. Yeah.
1: Back then, it was sort of like a small area when you were doing plant sharecropping or in a small area around there. Everybody knows each other. Yeah. And my dad, he never went to school if like second grade, could hardly read or write. And my mom was a college graduate. So... And they knew each other because it the small community. And that's yeah. how they met and got married. And then I was born. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, that's, yeah. all, all the great things started. <laughs> right. <coming> <laughs>
0: right. I love it. Well, you know, when you think about coming north, your dad, where did he come north? Where did he start up here? He came north and started at the old fisher body plant.
1: Oh, very good. Okay. So GM was a thing. Yeah. 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 My dad, when he came here, he had all my uncles come and all my uncles and everybody, they worked it was instead of calling it GM, they should have called it Ford because it was all in there. <laughs> now, how much grief did you get working all those years for uh, GM when your name is Ford? Some called me a spy. Oh. <laughs> you know, you get those little jokes and stuff. Yeah, you know, sure. And now, you know, the Ford has a better idea and all those different type of thing or fix and repair daily. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Repair daily. So I had all those jokes. But the thing is, I said, Ford sent me here to get a better idea from General Motors. I like it. Very good. <laughs> well, and I have to tell you, you know, you're loyal to a fault because I would look out
0: there and you're driving a beautiful GM product. So I love the fact you're loyal. I know that.
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) I can tell you a story about how loyal we are to GM is that my brother, he started running politics and he was going for the city council. And one day at a family uh, get together at my house, he pulls up in the driveway with the Benz. Oh, my. Well, not a Benz, BMW. Okay, yeah. And what I did... (laughs) I told him, you can't park your car in my driveway. And I lived on a dirt gravel road. (laughs) So he had to park out. And I told him. Did you enforce that? Yes. Oh, my. And, And everybody knew it, too. And so the next week, he turned around. Next thing you know, I see him come up to the house to visit me. And he. Got rid of the BMW and bought a Cadillac. Good
0: man. (laughs) Good man. He got it right. Yeah. Well, we got it right when we invited Fred Ford here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Dick Berger. We're going to take a break. Come right back.
1: Takes time, like the equity in your home. That's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit because frequent watering of your house plants may be recommended. Now, can we get a new roof? Not so much the rest of the house. Want the best rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life.
0: We found the Leadership Lowdown, and we found Fred Ford right here on the Michigan Business Network. He is a retired executive from General Motors, but, of course, there's so many other hats that he's worn along the time in his life. And that's why I was so excited to wrestle him into our studios here in Old Town because we wanted to hear his story. And, you know, it's intriguing to me. I had a father that... Uh, had me very late in years. He was 57 years old when I was born, but he came out of New York never having graduated from middle school. He was about sixth grade. He was on the streets and doing his own thing, right? So education to him was kind of important, but you mentioned your dad didn't read, right? So tell me
1: your thoughts on education and kind of how that developed for you. Well, my dad, he had a second grade education. So in other words, his reading experience and his reading level was About like a first or second grade because he did everything with sharecropping and everything. But what it was between him and my mother instilled education in us. Uh, He'd always told us that we're made the same. God made us the same. We got the same blood, you know, the brain. He says, the only thing that's different is how bad do we want it?
0: Mm, And so he
1: pushed that on us to never give up and never quit. And my mother always worked with us in education because when I was a young man, I used to stutter. I was in special education coming up through elementary school. So my level of reading and education and spelling and understanding and comprehension was really bad. Yeah. And my mother worked with me. And with her being an educator, what she did, she taught me how to be more of a visual person oh. and how to recite things and how to understand like in trigonometry. I can remember my mom taught me and this was one thing that I always remember in trig was Oscar had a hairy old ass sine cosine tangent. and <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I write that down, you know, the first edition of every one, and that was it. And then when I come in and trig, it was easy. Yeah, and I had to do it the charts because the visual with the charts and different things, You're the tables. And also as far as visuals, it, it helped me out a lot because I started to realize and understand that I was more of a hands-on person. And somebody had to show me something, and once they show me something, I'm
0: there. Yeah. Well, isn't it interesting? Because I think today what we learn about people is that there's audio learners, there's visual learners. So how people learn, it just isn't one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And your mom intuitively knew that all those years ago. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's really exciting. So when you think about education,
1: you kind of didn't give up on education yourself. You kind of didn't get it right away, right? I didn't get it. Did not get it. I had some great teachers that really helped me. Now, Mr. Turcotte, he passed away, just a matter of fact, I think it was like last year. I had a ninth grade teacher, English teacher, uh, Mrs. Putnam. She believed in me, and she worked and drilled and drilled, and, man, she was really tough on me. Oh. And I, really, at the time, I did not like her, and I thought she had something against me. Yeah. But what happened was that as I started growing and started growing up, I said, man, she really loved me. So when I graduated and I got my first job and got into the apprenticeship program, I went back to the school, and I hugged her, and I loved her, oh. and I thanked her, you know, all those different types of things about <laughs> how much I appreciated her. And the other person was Mr. Charles Jablonski. He was the one that really helped me out a lot over at He was the one that said, never quit, never give up. And he just drilled in me about being an athlete, but not only being an athlete, but being an athlete that really can think for itself and get an education.
0: Well, what you reminded me of is that from time to time, we start talking about these people that have been influential in our lives. And my question to a lot of people is, have you let them know that? Uh, I just encourage the audience to think for a moment about who really means something special in your life because I'm a big believer that none of us have done it alone. We've all have been touched somehow along the way. And those people that have helped us, lifted us, supported us or whatever, helping us along
1: is a big thing. And letting them know that they made a difference when it really mattered the most, right? What they say in the scripture, that you never give up on yourself. Yeah. And you always believe and have faith that you can do it. And just all you have to do is find your niche. And then once you get the calling and God touched you, yeah. then you can't go back. And what happens is that God will reveal to you and open up doors for you always. And that's that ram in the bush. That's where I look at it, you yeah. know. So he has not only opened up doors, but he had provided a herd of rams for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us quickly the story of the ram in the bush. Oh, the ram in the bush? It's just that when they was going up and going to sacrifice his son. What happened is what happened that he was going to sacrifice, and you didn't tell him why or how come, and all of a sudden he get ready to sacrifice his son and his only son. what happened yeah. Bush came, the ram came out of the bush, and next thing you know, God spoke to him. He got the ram, and that was the sacrifice. And that was his, instead of his son. Instead yeah. of his son. So and that was Abraham. Right? Abraham so yeah. yeah. So anyway, when, when you think about those, there's so many lessons. I don't care where you
0: pull the lessons from, but there's just things that are absolutely stunning in the way they affect your life. And mm-hmm. you know, I go back to the mentors in my life. You know, Fred, I lost my mom on Christmas Day, my high school year. Wow. And when I came back to school mm-hmm. after that Christmas break, everybody was just staring at me. Right? They didn't know what to say. I'll never forget Mike Winter, a teacher. He walked up to me, and him and I hadn't had any kind of special relationship, but he actually brought it up. He said, Vic, I just want to let you know I'm sorry about your mom. And I didn't know what to say. I just looked down and said, thank you. And But to this moment, to this day, 40 years later, I can remember that moment, right, when somebody... Just expressed that they cared. Yes. And isn't that just a powerful thing? Yes. And so that's one of the things I want to encourage you all that today we've got a feel good story to talk about here with Fred Ford. We're so glad you tuned into the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hibernation is over. The fairways have been cut. The greens have been rolled. Are you ready for some golf? We sure are. With 81 holes of spectacular championship golf just waiting for you at Treetops. Book now and for a limited time, enjoy an overnight stay and unlimited golf starting at just $129 per person. Then top off your day with a relaxing massage in our spa, followed by a succulent steak and choice of over 80 craft beers in our sports bar. Call 888 Treetops. Visit Treetops.com. Treetops, Michigan's most spectacular resort. Oh, oh, found Leadership Lowdown, we found Fred Ford, you found Michigan Business Leadership. And this is so good to have you all here with us today on the network. And so when we're talking to Fred, and Fred, we were chatting a little bit about some of the things going back and forth. But, you know, along the way, there's moments of growth and things that are important to you. So tell me about, as you start thinking about some leadership moments as you started to find some real
1: growth, what were some instrumental programs or people in that regard? Well, first of all, I always wanted to be an electrician. And the reason why I said electrician, because I see my dad one time was fixing a light. Yeah. And I was about like in sixth grade or so. And he was fixing a light, and then all of a sudden he put these wires together and he turned the light switch on and the lights came. Like, hey, that's pretty cool, Dad. <laughs> and then the next thing was that I was down the street and I was delivering papers. And I had my little paper route. And while I was delivering, I went by a house. It was early, it was like Christmas Eve. I never will forget this. Yeah. Early in the morning, delivering Christmas Eve paper. And I seen one of the neighbors had a color TV. Oh, wow. And back then, a color TV was big time. Preaching, I'm telling you. I, I, first time I saw mine, I said, oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? Gilligan's Island is in color? So <laughs> what happened is that their son, we went to school together in elementary school in the same neighborhood. Yeah. So I asked him, I said, man, how in the world your dad and you guys can afford a color TV? Yeah. You know, we had the old black and whites with the rabbit ears and had to have <laughs> cellophane or you know, foil around it, and have got them <laughs> holding. They said, okay, don't move, stay there. But anyway. Fred, you know we lost half our audience because everybody's looking at flat screen, 80-inch flat <laughs> right. screen right now. <laughs> like, what are those guys talking about? But anyway, so I asked him, so said, what does your dad do? Yeah. And he told me that he was an electrician at General Motors. And right then and there, Boom. from watching the light switch come on, yeah. And his dad's an electrician. I said, that's exactly what I want to do. So the light switch went on with you. Yes. So there it goes. So that became
0: your focus. Is that the direction
1: you turned Yeah. So what I did, I started really focusing in on like my math, my science. And then I also went off into drafting. Oh, yeah. Okay. So those are the things. Because when I was in high school, like I said, when I started going through school and I got in high school, back then it was sort of pigeonhole youth yeah like they say, oh you didn't have this education you're not this good and this your grades not good so next thing you know you're pigeonholed as you know what a general education i want to say something like that and then you also had the college prep kids who were getting a good grade so those are college preps like my brother was so they had my brother college prep had me as like a general education so my future was just a get through, barely make it through, and the thing was, go to General Motors, work on the line. There you go. Got to figure it out. You got to pass. That was passed. But I had a person by the name of Doug Herner. Okay. And, you know, he's the basketball coach here in Lansing, and then he became one of the assistants and scouting coach out of Michigan State, oh. Doug Herner. And he always pushed us. Hmm. And what he told me, he said, Fred, he says, what do you want to do in life? And I told him that I wanted to be an electrician, but he knew my grades wasn't good enough. But what he did, he went to bat. This is his ram. He went to bat for me and talked to one of the counselors, which was Mr. Skazafade, And they worked it out where I could go to the three-hour block electronic course over at Everett. Uh, And I didn't have the grades, but I worked on it and worked on it. It's something I really wanted to do. And it was more hands-on and physical, and it was math, and it was drawing, drafting. and Speaking your great. language, right? Yeah, yeah, and I did great. Yeah. And after that, I went through the apprenticeship program. I signed up for the apprenticeship program because I was decent in sports, and they called us the roadrunners, me and my two other brothers, and we no. were all in the backfield together, and they called us the roadrunners. The Ford road Runners. Yeah. There's yeah. got to be a commercial in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened was that I got a lot of letters, but – Really no scholarships because I didn't know anything about it. Didn't get the grades and the testing and all those things to qualify to go to college. And I didn't really realize that until Mr. Fred Johnson from Michigan State that was involved in the track uh, team came and talked to me because they were trying to get me to do track and football. But I didn't have the grades and I didn't take the test. So he made sure that I hurried up and got in there to take the test. By the time the test came through, all the scholarships and everything was gone. Snatched up, yeah. So Mr. Riddle, Bob Riddle, and he took care of me where he had a program called Leap and then through the Urban League. And I would think it was Labor Education Apprenticeship Program. Oh, cool. And what that was was taking a lot of the minorities in the community and whoever wanted to get into trades, and they trained them and taught them how to take the test. And everything—not the exact test, but like everything that was done, like all the fractions, the ratios, you know, all the different spatial relations, different type of things—and so that we test, and that's all we did. Was just they taught us and tested yeah, us and yeah. taught us. And what happened? I came through and I passed the test, and I got accepted into the IBW Local Six Six Five. That was all through affirmative action because at that time. We had 16% minorities in Lansing, so they had to take two of us. Okay, yeah. And so we went took the test, and all the highest and the scores, and all of a sudden the top two came in, and I was able to get in. But they did that in every trade. Oh, wow. It was iron workers, carpenters, cement finishers. Plumbers, you know, everything, pipe fitters. And so you got the electrical. I got the electrical because yeah. that's what I put the test in that's for. That's so cool. Well, Fred, I'm the the rest rest is history. history.
0: as they say, yes, that's right, the rest is history. We're history for this segment right here. We're gonna go take a quick commercial break here on Michigan Business Network. This is the leadership lowdown. I'm Veg and We'll be right back.
1: Even if you just get an hour, imagine a stress-relieving treatment, hand and arm massage, and a free makeup touch-up. Does this happen every time you have your hair done? It does at Douglas J. Salon. Get the entire experience exclusively using Avita products. Guests have experienced the Douglas J. difference for 45 years. Douglas J. with two locations, inside the Marriott Hotel and in Okemos. Make your reservation at either professional salon by calling 877-334-8657 or visit douglasj.com today. This is
0: the Michigan Business Network. i am got a big virtual right here on the Leadership Lowdown, and I'm so grateful to have with me a good friend of mine, Fred Ford, and he is actually a retired manager-executive out of General Motors after 30-plus years. And, of course, the other thing he does is he makes an impact, and it's big, in the community. And I'm just so glad to unpack some of the stories that uh, kind of made Fred such an icon for us. And, Fred, you know, I think you're pretty grateful for the Affirmative Action efforts that changed your life. In yes. It
1: has uh, changed so that this is all about getting your shot, Right. Right. And, you know, not only in my life, but a lot of other young men and young ladies' life in the neighborhood and in the community. If it wasn't for Firm to Action, we would be, I don't know what we would be doing right now. It gave us a chance. Yeah. It gave us a chance. Yeah. And that's why we like to reach back. That's one thing that when I was working in construction, a lot of the construction, the employees and the people out in the field didn't accept us. Yeah. right. Because of the Firm to Action thinking we only got there because of our color. Oh yeah. So, you know, it's just anything else in life. Being a person of color, you always have to do at least twice as good or if that's instilled in us. Yeah. And we never take anything for granted. So that means that we're going to be out there and we're going to do the best we can do. And we're going to be the best. Well, and right from the start, I'll give you an idea of the kind of people you ought
0: to be around, is people that have that kind of attitude. That's right. <laughs> yep, that's right. Well, you know, part of what I think is really important in this whole process is that I think you've been in a position to impact young people. Mm -hmm. And part of that comes with some of the coaching experiences you've had. So tell me where you took on
1: your first coaching responsibility and what that looked like. Well, my first one was in Little League. It was called the Black Oh, really? Okay. It was Dick Lipskin, Maurice Petros, Sherm Bennett. It was a lot of people like that that was out there. Uh, Lyle McFadden. Yeah. We were the, all the coaches of the Black Hawks. I was the youngest guy. <laughs> it was called the Black Hawks. So we coached a lot of kids. And at that time, the kids couldn't afford anything. It cost us $5 for a physical. And all the coaches would take the money out of their pocket and pay for the kids to go get the physicals. Wow! And we were more like because all the parents was working or doing different things, so we were sort of raising the kids. Uh, yeah, sure. And uh, after that, we got Magic Johnson, Jay Vincent. I can name them all. They were all came through the Blackhawk. Oh no, kid! <laughs> yes. Is that true? Yes. And that's all yes. Good. And so that's where it
0: all started. And yep. you must have just loved impacting kids and being around kids, then.
1: Right. And then from there, once again, I worked in uh, electrical and IBW Local Six Six Five, and I had my construction. Experience. So I was looking for the land, got married, had a child, and, and then all of a sudden I had to find a home. Yeah. So I was lucky to find one of the guys I was working with was a realtor. And he said, hey, there's some land out of Diamondale that you can buy and come to find out. Here's another ram. My dad was working with the owner of the land, yeah. and he didn't know it. And then once I started looking for the land and put in an offer on it, and he found oh. out to see my name, My name is Frederick Ford, and my dad's name is Freddie Ford. So it sort of rung the bell, and he said, hey, Fred, is that your – You know that guy? You know that guy? Yeah, "Yeah, that's my son. He said, tell him that we got it. (laughs) So that's the ram in the bush, you know, and that was it. Isn't that So anyway, from there, I moved. I started coaching football with one of my friends that got pretty close out in Diamonddale named Marty Powers, and he was starting a little football team in Diamonddale, and then from there – We moved it to uh, Hope, and we started a little league in Hope called Windsor-Dale High Hope Junior Rams. Yeah. And that's still going now today. And then from there, we had all these kids was coming through, and they were going through high school, and the program was really growing and doing great. So the coach asked me, which is Mike Smith, asked me to come up and start helping him coach on the varsity into the high school program. There it goes right there. We went to the Dome in 1995. Had a great team. And from there, I coached there until what, 1997. And from there, I got the call from Everett that asked me if I'd come and coach over So, at Everett. Everett High School. Everett High School. And, and, Chris, so tell us a little bit about Everett High School.
0: This is a an inner city, if you will, yes. Lansing inner city mm-hmm. school. And so, is it
1: heavy minorities? No, and still not. Still not. <laughs> you know, maybe because it's on the south side. Yeah. And seeing Lansing, all the schools are really, they might think that they're heavy minority, but they're not in nursing. Because when I was over we at Section, everybody thought that it was heavy minority, but it wasn't. We only had about like 11% or 12% of minorities in the it, that's yeah. it's about average. Yeah, yeah, that's nationwide. About, yeah, and yeah. that same thing over to Everett and same thing over to yeah. like Eastern. Everett was not at the peak of their situation when you went over to the football. No, it was low as you can get. Yeah, it was low as you can get. And so what they did, they needed somebody from the community because they were having a lot of parents' issues, a lot of players' issues. Nobody was uh, coming to the games, a lot of stuff. And they needed somebody to build a program up. And once again, being a leader in the community, I felt – compelled to go over to Everett. I could have stayed at home, sure, but I went over to Everett because the community was asking me to come. And you were kind of
0: called home, right? Yes. I mean, so we're going to talk a little bit more about yes. that cuz I want to understand those situations, but you know, in your situation, Fred, I love the fact that you went back to Everett with the idea that you were going to be from the community, somebody that can identify with what's going on, and man, isn't that the truth? Whether it's a college football coach, carpetbagger, whatever it is, right. you know, it's somebody that actually knows and understands, and I think that ability to understand that community is really where it's all about. I'm having just a thrill of my life right now, understanding your background, Fred. So glad you joined us here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Bercero. We'll be right back. So many successful businesses have in common? Proactive legal strategy. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer both business and personal legal counsel. For client convenience, they have offices throughout Michigan. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. so grateful that we've got Fred Ford right here in the studios here of the Michigan Business Network on the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Bursarow. And, of course, Fred, as we're talking about your triumphant return, if you will, to <laughs> Everett, um, you come back into Everett, and you've got to fix a few things. Are there some parents that are frustrated with what they've
1: been seeing? and? Uh it was the parents, the city, everybody was frustrated. What was going on, the program was really down. Matter of fact, it was almost that they were going to cancel the program. We didn't have like for freshmen or anything. So what I had to do was really try to come back and, first of all, have the kids have some pride. Yep. So all at Hope, what we usually do, we have called Meet the Ram Night. Yeah. So what I did, I sort of brought some of that stuff back oh, over yeah. to Hope, over to Everett, and some of the coaches that was with me over at Hope came over with me also, like <laughs> Wayne Roberts, Bo Rogers, you know, those type of guys, Rob Schmidt, you know, all those, they came over with me and Marty Powers. But what happened is that they didn't have any equipment. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, everything was gone. And football's we both, a football, big investment, right? Big yes. investment. Yeah. So what we were doing, Denny Falk, who was the athletic director over Everett, he says, Fred, whatever you can do and whatever you need, let me know we're going to try to help you. Oh. So he was taking money out of the pop machine that they usually do, you know, because they <laughs> yeah. usually have a pop machine and it goes to a little fund. Yeah. Then they have to, so he's taking that and helping me out buying equipment. And not only that, all my assistant coaches for that whole year gave up their salary oh, wow. and was putting back into the program so we can buy the knee pads, the shoulder pads, <sighs> everything, I mean, the mouthpieces, the chin straps. The buckles, the ear pads, you name it, wow. that's what we were doing. So tell me,
0: if you think about being a coach somewhere, you don't go there, right? right. <laughs> you don't give up all your financial income to do that. You go places that are properly funding it. Yeah. But
1: how did you convince the guys? Is that just part of their heart? Is that the way that goes? Those guys been with me for a long time, even for the whole Junior Rams and all the way through. We used to do summer football clinics yeah. and everything. So Hussein Muhammad, you know, his dad, the senior. He was one of the coaches and everything. We would send the kids to football camps, all those different types of things. So what we would do, because we loved the kids, we all had jobs. We wanted to do the right thing and yeah. bring the program back, at least stabilize it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because, you
1: know, we had all those losing seasons all the way through, and every football practice, I had a reporter in Lansing State Journal or somebody out there or the TV news out there every practice or every week they were doing an article or something on us. And then they would even follow us on the games that we thought we were going to win. They would be on the bus and they would ride the bus with us and follow us to the games out of town. <laughs> That's pressure to win a lot right? of pressure. But we enjoyed it because the kids enjoyed it. And oh, sure the parents, what the thing was is that we had to cut down on all the parents talking and getting upset. And how come their kids not playing and what's going on with their kids? How come my son is coming back mad? And want to quit football? So we opened up practice. So, the parents used to be closed. So, we told them, no, if you want to find out what your kid is doing, come to practice. We have nothing to hide. Nice. And so, they came. And then, most of the parents that I was coaching the kids, I coached them in Little League. <laughs> so, they know. Instant credibility. Yeah, right, right. There, right. So, when the kid come home crying or whatever, they said, no, I'm not going up there to raise no cane with Coach Ford. Yeah. What did you do wrong? Right. <laughs> so that was the credibility. Then, the booster program, we started going. We knew that the kids... A lot of them wasn't getting a full lunch or full dinner at home. Yeah. So a lot of the boosters and people, we started making sandwiches for them before the games, Thursday night before the varsity games, and then Wednesday for the freshman games and stuff. And after that, we started to have fazolis, and then they started bringing spaghetti and pizza and stuff for us. At the, Man, sign me up and, for football. And One thing that we did, we taught them character. Yeah. And we taught them belief. And I don't know if it would pass now. But before we had dinner, we had one of the players who would like, and we said, did anybody want to bless the food? Yeah. And one of the kids would volunteer. Then it became a habit that everybody wanted to do it.
0: Wow, isn't that something? Yeah. Well, you know, so look, from point A to point B, you were there only at Everett for, what, three years, you said? Yes. So tell me about what happened. It sounded like the first year you were buying equipment and trying to figure it (laughs) out. Did you end up
1: uh, in a different spot? Well, the first year, what happened was that We started teaching them what we was teaching out with Hope, you know, trips, twins, you know, different formations that you can run the same play, going in motion, you know, right side, left side of the line, you know, calling out plays, you know, and everything and come to find out. The kids didn't know it. Uh, No basics. No basics. So we had to come back and fall back and teach them almost the basics all the way through. That was our first year. Yeah. How about that? And we out there playing against teams
0: that has a system and a program.
1: Yeah, and of
0: course, and towards the end, was it ever about
1: winning in your mind, or no. was it, it was really about trying to get the program back? Getting the, the program back. Yeah. And I never forget this: is that two brothers that was out there. I'll never forget. It started sprinkling. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I looked up, and almost half the team was going in because it was raining. <laughs> and I looked at them, and I looked at the rest of the coaches. I said, "Can you believe this?" <laughs> I said, it's not thundering. It's not lightning. It's just sprinkling. This is the State Journal. They did an article on that. <laughs> oh, yes, <you're> not <laughs> and, I, melt. and I yelled at the kids. I said, come back. And they said, coach, it's raining. And I said, come back because you to have to play in the rain. And then they said, well, coach, it's still raining. And they kept walking. And I said, if you walk, leave this practice, keep going. keep going and don't come back. Wow. And they came back, and we started just kept. Ca- Playing and practicing and practicing. What a moment that was. Well, you know, Fred, it's just so inspiring
0: to think about the way you've touched uh, people, touched the community, and so glad you're touching our audience here today, right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Bershiro. This is the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back. Stop by the office outlet at 516 North Arch in downtown Lansing and save. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. The
1: Office Outlet has a huge selection of new and used office furniture from brand-name manufacturers, all at discounted prices. Save 50 to 90% on used seating, desks, files, and more. The Office Outlet is your destination for office furniture on a budget. Visit us online at officeoutletyes.com.
0: This is Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Bergerow right here in the Leadership Adam. We're so glad that you tuned in, and I'm so glad I had the opportunity to unpack the Fred Ford story. He's, of course, a retired manager executive from General Motors, and he's given so much to the community. We're hearing about the Everett High School story, which I think is so cool about some of the things that were going on. There to help the program, not necessarily to win national titles anywhere. <laughs> no. But you know, as you're unpacking that, tell me about uh, some of the things that you found important. If it wasn't winning; it was about changing people's lives in positive ways, right?
1: Yes, about the education, helping, and support. Just like people helped me. Like I said, I wasn't that great of a student, but somebody believed in me and to help me find my niche. Yeah. And once you find your niche, it's over. It's just like accepting a calling from the Lord. Yeah. So what happened was that. I started trying to practice, and when the game time comes around and you have it all set up with your schemes and practice and your players, next thing you know, on Thursday night, you find out that half your team is ineligible. Oh, yeah. And we're going, what is going on? Especially in the freshman area, and the freshmen and JVs, we had to almost cancel games. And so I had to go back with the counseling system and the principal and try to find out what was going on. And so they ran me a whole page of most of them that was ineligible were all minority kids. Oh, yeah. So I had to find out what was going on. So they ran me a, a whole list and come to find out that the kids either wasn't turning in homework or just wasn't getting it. And it wasn't there because they had to leave and go to work or do something. Yeah. You know, right. They <laughs> helped raise their sisters and brothers and, you know, single parent home and things like that. So I went to General Motors. And I asked Glenn Kirk, "I need some help from General Motors, and he was our comptroller." And I told him the story. We had lunch, and I told him the story. So he said, "Just a minute, I think I got somebody going to help you." And next thing you know, I had lunch, and it was Paula Cunningham. Oh well, Glenn yeah. Kirk and Paula Cunningham, <laughs> and a young lady named McQueen, mm. and we set up everything for us, minority. and we set up a program called Class Act. Yeah, and that the kids had to maintain a certain grade point average, a two point, a certain grade point, show improvement. And then after that, they had to go all the way for the rest of the year, two-point or better. They had to go with, with their attendance, had to be better, be 97% as far as being in class. And we had to have signed signatures from the parents. And that's what started. It was class Act. From there, it leaked into the uh, Promise Program. Okay. But well, we started over at Everett. The Lansing Promise Program. Yeah, the Lansing wow, Promise Program. That's what happened. We started to called Class Act. Paula Cunningham and myself and Glenn Kirk. And then it moved on into the Promise program. Well, you bring in uh, Paula Cunningham. You brought in the bank guys. <laughs> oh, I had to. she <laughs> should tell you the same well, thing. But I left Everett because my job, I started getting more and more promotions. Yeah. And it's getting more. So I had to leave Everett because I, it was just too much. Yeah. you know. And so after that, I went on into General Motors. And what happened there was that as a manager, Jim Zupkis is the one that told me, he says, Fred, before you retire, Fred, I have you all set up because you have great people skill and you know as far as electrical. And I was over engineering at that time. I was over maintenance and facility engineering. And I just moved up and everything they gave me, they gave me the hard projects oh, and anything you <laughs> want to make. So they gave it to me. It's yeah. like shutting down the fisher body before we went over to Delta. Yeah, They gave me that job to keep the momentum and keep the people going so we can have the quality. And keep the quality going not with the product. Yeah. Not skip a beat until we move over into the Delta plant, That's and then from the Delta plant, they move me, and here I am. My whole life been electrical, been central maintenance, facility engineering, facility maintenance, reliability engineering, all the superintendents of all the different departments—paint, body shop, trim—all those different areas, right? And the next thing you know, when they get ready to open up a new plant or they're looking for managers to go to the new plant before we can start building it. We had to go down to the Rensselaer, the yes. civil officer, and we had to take a test. Now, here we are, the newest plant in North America. Right. And everybody from all over the world is trying to get in this plant. And so we had to compete with everybody in the whole world that had wanted to come to this plant. And we've taken tests. took us three days to take a test. <laughs> and when we got done, when we finished taking those tests and evaluations, You should have seen it. The pencil dropped time, the bell rung, and we was gone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But But what happened on this whole thing, we were selected, and I said, okay, I might be going into engineering or maintenance or somebody, you know, something like that, or running a production area. Yeah. And they called me up and told me I was going into material in the logistics. And I'm going, logistics. I don't know anything about logistics. And they said, Fred, that's why we were moving you around because (laughs) with the new plant, we need somebody to know exactly what every area need and expect from logistics. without logistics the plant won't run very
0: good and we've proven that over and over again well look hey Fred thank you for being with us we're so glad you uh took time out and uh shared your life story if you will i love it i took some notes and have some real fun thoughts about the way things are here so grateful you're part of this
1: thank you i'm glad to be here and hopefully I didn't talk you ear off. Oh,
0: man, that was great. <laughs> it was absolutely great. We're so glad you uh, took the time to listen in to Leadership Lowdown. So glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Burschereau. Can't wait to talk to you next time.